Hey, Game Changers. Barry William Maglidity here, your host of the Comeback Game podcast. Today, I've got a super special one for you and one that's close to my heart. Good buddy of mine, Ronsley Vaz, for a must amplify. Uh, Ronsley is an expert when it comes to uh, production of podcasting and marketing. He signed some massive clients like uh, VaynerMedia to produce Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast. Not only that, he's got a phenomenal podcast called Psychology of Entrepreneurship. He's a TEDx speaker, author of a book, Amplify, and an all-round fantastic guy. Uh, we got pretty deep today around psychology of entrepreneurship and specifically why some people in business seemingly make it and many, many others absolutely don't. We dive into a bit of Ronzi's background about some uh, previous failing ventures and what he learned about them. And we also talk about how he was forced to meditate at gunpoint. So if you're a business owner right now, an entrepreneur, and you're looking for ways to grow and scale your business, you're wanting to find ways to get out of your own head and get out of your own way to create an even better business, hopefully that works without you, uh, tune into this episode because you'll get a lot from it. Also, uh, if you're loving watching and listening to our podcast, The Comeback Game, please like, share, and uh, comment below. Let us know what you like most about these episodes so we can get other people on board. Let's head over to this fantastic interview now. Ronsley Vaz, welcome to the show, or Vaz, if you're in Australia. Dude, how are you doing today? Well, it depends. Like, if you're in, in the States, it's like Ronsley. Hey, Ronsley, can I get on your podcast? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's different in all parts of the world. But uh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. It's cool. Yeah. Mate, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Like, we've been mates for a while now. We've been uh, having some cool chats. Uh, what you guys do in the background in your business is absolutely extraordinary. Uh, for those of the, the, the viewers and listeners today that are watching this who haven't yet come across you, uh, give us a bit of a brief background about you and what it is you do. Man, the world's such a big place. Uh, this, um, every time I think that there's someone that's popular, there's a whole bunch of people that don't know who they are. So um, I'm Ronsley. I'm still finding myself, as you know. <laughs> I'm finding the part of me that has been constant all this while. Um, but what we do uh, is we give voices to brands primarily because part of my childhood trauma is that I wasn't listened to while I was a kid and my voice wasn't heard. So, um, you know, oh, and behold, I start a podcast, I start a company to find other people's voices. So um, I feel like, you know, your biggest, your biggest gift lies next to your, your deepest pain. <laughs> so, you know, that's what we do. We, we give voices to brands. Like if you think about um, brands have evolved today uh, um, to have look and feel with logos, colors, and fonts. Like every brand will start with logos, color, colors, and fonts because they give a look and feel to their brand. We add voice to, to that. Um, so yeah, it's uh, interesting. I made it all up and now it's a uh, industry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the funny thing was, is you started like years ago back, like you probably started before those even podcasts existed. I don't know, but like you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. How long has it been? Know, it's not that long. Uh, it's been six and a half years, almost seven years. Uh, but they've been, there's like Mount Rushmore faces of podcasting, like Dave Jackson and, and those guys who've been doing it for 14 years and, you know, when no one was listening and they've been, and they just got hall of fame stuff like now after like 12 years of doing it. So I'm, I'm fairly new. Uh, there've been people that have been, you know, waving the podcasting flag for a lot longer. Yeah. But, but very successful. You guys have signed on some decent clients. Are we allowed to speak about them or is that, that bound by confidentiality? No, some of them we can speak about like, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and the Sasha group for sure. Um, yeah. that is, um, that is actually a very proud sort of uh, signing primarily because in the signing, 
arrangement, I actually asked for a clause in there that said, um, I'll tell you exactly what it said because it's, um, it's, it's very close here. Um, status as preferred podcast expert for VaynerMedia. Um, that, you can throw, every, you can throw the whole, everything out the window. You can throw even the client out the window. That, that is good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Netflix, we, have, we have actors. Um, we have people that um, uh, run retreats for the royal family. It's like our clients are just <laughs> amazing, amazing people. So doing amazing stuff. Yeah. And, and you should be proud, like, like especially to Gary Vee. Like Gary Vee owns a huge media company. And yet they've hired this guy and his team. Like you've got an incredible team, but in Australia to run his podcast definitely says something about you guys staying claim to being one of the, if not the best podcast producers in the world, which is incredible. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, what we do is it's always been about the art, I think of um, consumption. When, yeah. when I, when I, when I started in podcasting at the time, you know, it, I didn't know, why I was gravitated towards it. And I still, for the longest time, did not understand why people would say, oh, you have a nice voice for podcasting. I was like, when I first came to Australia, people would make fun of my accent. I don't understand how my voice now makes me money. Like that doesn't add up when I start to break it all down. But it's, it's so fascinating how just putting that voice out there allows me to think about, did I actually mean that that way? Hmm. Or did I is that how I want it to come across? And then you get to really, you know, define your stance and then you kind of decide is then you kind of realize that this is what I stand for. And then you also realize a whole bunch of stuff that you've been doing that is not in alignment with what you stand for. But the only reason you know that is because now you start to realize what you stand for. So, um, you know, podcasting has been such a gift for me. And I think that is just something that, um, to be able to see, you know, some of our clients and what they do and yeah. then getting a, getting their voice out and heard is, uh, is, is quite good. Yeah. And look, a bit of a shameless plug for you too. Like if there's someone out there that wants to listen or hear um, some amazing work, Ronsley actually runs a podcast called Psychology of Entrepreneurship. Uh, and it's very different. It's uh, awesome. I've, I've loved some of the episodes, uh, especially the one with Todd Herman, I thought was, was really cool as well. Um, what I'd love to know though, like how long have you been in business for? So you've been podcasting for six odd years. How long have you been in business for? Um, so my first business was a restaurant. Uh, that, that was my, yeah, I was not a business owner before that. That was definitely my first business. Uh, put all my savings and all my money uh, into a, a restaurant. And that has been maybe 10, 11 years. So I'm, I'm quite new in business. Before that, I was a nine to five person. I actually never thought I was an entrepreneur, which is really funny. Um, and my dad uh, is, I mean, I actually said that I didn't, didn't, didn't want to take over the family business. I just left home when I was 16. So it was all, you know, the rebel in me decided not to be the entrepreneur because my dad maybe was the entrepreneur, who knows. But um I, the company I was working for paid for an MBA that I did down at QUT and that switched on a business part of my brain and I saw opportunity everywhere. So yeah. And have never been able to switch it off since. Nah. And it's been in so many different industries as well. Like it's not like 
you know, I've, I've, I've been in marketing and that's my, that's a business I've done, you know, chefing and <laughs> so many other things in between. So, yeah. Yeah. So in your time of, of running a business, what been uh, a significant challenge or adversity that you faced throughout your time? Well, the first one that comes to mind, which is heavily documented uh, pretty well is, you know, um, the restaurant shutting overnight, like we did service on Saturday and on Sunday, the locks were changed and there was a legal uh, battle between the owners and the landlords. And, and if I had to get involved, I had to get a lawyer and it was all, uh, it was just uh, all new and all, a lot and um uh, three months after being married we had four hundred and seventy eight thousand dollars of debt uh to pay back um that seemed that for sure there are parts of it that i've blocked out and i'm slowly trying to like um get there but that for sure was a rough patch yeah what was it that you learned through that? Like, you know, I honestly believe that, like, I think you mentioned at the start of the show, you know, about our greatest challenges or, uh, you know, what lies in our greatest adversities is our greatest opportunities. And this, I guess, was a premise of why we first started the Comeback Game podcast, because what I started to realize in my own life is that I could never remember those moments where I was like, oh, this is the best day of my life. You know, like, I know I had them, but looking back now, I'm like, when was that? You know, when, 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 when were those moments? Yeah, I can absolutely remember the countless times that I found myself on the floor, in, you know, crying my eyes out, you know, praying for help, you know, so messed up with, with things that have been challenged in my life, whether it be bankruptcy or, or other things along the way. And I can remember them so deeply because it changed me, you know, and what I look back now, every one of those situations changed me for the better. And, you know, changed me for the better, A, because I, I, I guess, looked for the opportunity in that. And B, because I took responsibility of creating it in the first place. Mm. So if you look back at that restaurant situation for you, like what was the learning in that? And how did you, in many ways, I guess, create it for yourself? Yeah. Um, so I've not really thought about that as much uh, before. So this is, I'm making all this up as I go and, and based on, on, on the question. Um, but one of the big things for sure, I realized uh, with the, in the restaurant is that used to be a drawing in a notebook. Like that still blows my mind. That that like that still I can't even explain. I I'm still in awe of that. I that mm -hmm. that whole thing where it was a drawing and it's, it's a thing and then I could go somewhere and someone will get fed food while I was not even in the restaurant you know like that still is 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 quite a miracle actually if you actually want to break down what miracles you know look like that that that's a proper miracle because I had no food background I don't I mean I used to, I cook but um I paid my head chef and had a, one of his KPIs was to train me to be a, to be a chef. And I went and I, yeah, and I got my certification in, in a year that, which normally takes three years, which he signed off on because I had my own restaurant. So, uh, but I started from, from scratch. I, 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 the first part of my training was washing dishes in my own restaurant, which I was paying everyone's wages. 
And then I started prepping and I did that. But the big learning for sure um, is there's so many different elements to business and you can be the best chef in the world. Like I literally, I cooked for Christmas dinner at a friend's place and he said, like you're invited forever. Like we cried when we had leftovers, like, you know, like my family just wants you. And, and this is not the first time people have cried over my food. So I'm not like, but you can have the best gift. And if you can't find the business model to, to allow that gift to keep giving or find a way to keep producing that gift, um, unfortunately, only your friends and family will be able to like experience that. So you, a lot of people start yeah. businesses and they kind of go, I want to start it on my passion. And that's 100%, like, absolutely. But there's a big gap between being amazing at something and then finding a way to make the business work so that that amazing thing gets to, to people. Yeah. It's an interesting point you raise. Um, I've had a conversation and I've met so many business owners that are incredible business owners and they're broke. And I've met so many business owners that are pretty shitty business owners, right? Don't really know much about business, can't read a P&L, don't really understand what systems are, don't really know how to market themselves, yet they're making a ton of money. And I often see that the difference between the two is, is just having the right offer, the right marketplace. It doesn't necessarily come down to skill set of the business owner. There was an interesting um, thing that I read online today. Someone wrote a question and said, you know, with so much business training out there in, in this you know, in 2020 and so much really readily available through coaches and mentors and online courses, why are so many businesses still failing? Right? was the question that was posed. And someone wrote and said, oh, it's because, you know, not everyone, not everyone's designed or has the blueprint to be successful in business. What do you think your take is? Like, if you were to read that question, what do you think your take is on that? Well, I believe that the original entrepreneurs are mothers because if they fail at what they do, someone dies and they have to be the hug giver and the uh, cook and the cleaner and uh, the maid and the, the, the punching bag and like everything in between. And when you think about, you know, what is an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur is really giving value to the world. And what does a mother, like, you know, a mother do is basically packages this value into a child and says, go give the world value. So I, I think that everyone's an entrepreneur in one way or the other. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just about how much value you place on, on what you do, I think. Um, mm. And we're all myself included. In fact, such a huge uh, mirror right now, you know, um, is reflecting back at me because that's something that's taken me so long to appreciate what, how much, like what value I gave the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a fascinating point of view. And I've, I've, I can honestly say I've never ever thought about it that way. Um, when I, when I read this question, I remembered thinking back to a few years ago and I believed a few years ago, I was like, Oh, some people just aren't cut out for business. And that was what I thought back then. I would probably take that back now um, with a few more years of, of education on my shoulders and, and being in the trenches. I absolutely think that anyone has the potential to grow a business, whether it be just to grow enough to provide an income for themselves, their family, or whether it be to build a business that works without them. 
I think that um, many people just aren't willing to do what it takes to get there. You know, well, they see that, uh, well, you know, I can, I can just going to say I can quit my job and start the business up tomorrow and I'll, I should be earning 10 K a month and working one day a week. And it's not the reality, you know, and what's, pasted and posted on social media most often is not what's really going on no you're right um but i think i think the reason for that is because we're not trained to be uncomfortable we're trained to be comfortable we're trained to follow the rules so that we are never uncomfortable. If we follow the rules, we'll never be in a position that we have to explain ourselves or we have to be judged on how we behave. And so, so it's not that we don't want to do the things is that we don't know how to do the things. And it's just a few people that have either been put in very precarious situations that they've, been forced to learn so they kind of have learned it and then feel like or oh, no one else can learn it or they're not learning it fast enough which are, we are totally in that in that bracket uh, but mostly and even today you see the kids that are coming out of school they, they're not being taught to critically think necessarily so um yeah i think <laughs> there's a variety of different issues along with media and all that kind of stuff there's a um but I think that more and more people are starting to believe that they can dictate their own income. Yeah. They can dictate their own careers. So, yeah. Yeah. You look at any, any of the stories, you know, JK Rowling's and the Harry Potter series, you know, Colonel Sanders and the launch of KFC, I think he was mid sixties. You know, these people have all got these stories around how they just refuse to give people aren't willing to do what it takes. There's a, there's a misconception around how easy it should be to start a business. And look, don't get me wrong, maybe some people start the business and, and they fall into it. They just happen to fall into the right product and, and, and niche and, you know, the things tend to grow. But it's not atypical, like it's not how, how it is for most people. And so I absolutely believe that anyone has the opportunity to grow a great business if they're willing to continue and, and to fail. And as you said, to be constantly in the space of being uncomfortable, because that's, that's most of the journey that we, we travel as entrepreneurs is, is constantly being in a space of where we're, where we're the most un uncomfortable in the room. Yeah, because you know, usually what tends to happen is we correlate comfort to happiness and comfort does not equate to happiness. Um, and uh, am I the happiest I've ever been? 100%. Am I the most comfortable I've ever been? <laughs> Not at all. Because it's like, once you start to be uncomfortable, you start to realize how much, how many layers you've put on for the world and how many layers you have to put back on before you walk out of the house in the morning and all that kind of stuff. And then, and you start to peel back those layers and you realize that, um, Hey, I didn't need them in the first place, but it was uncomfortable to get to this point to realize they were there in the first place because I believed they were there and normal this all this whole time. So this yeah. is really helpful for me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, send you the invoice. Uh, <laughs> this is some of the stuff. True, though, like, like, 
it, yeah. it's true. There you go. You go. I've got some of the stuff that I'm saying right now, I'm hearing for the first time. Yeah. So it's not like I've thought about any of this stuff. So if any of you think that I'm smart and I've, I've, I've actually thought about this and I do this uh, on a regular basis, this is, this is new. So I'm hearing yeah. a lot of this stuff for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's true though. Like, and it relates back to one of my, I recorded another episode day two with uh, Ronan and I talked about um, how the creature neurology or the critter brain that drives a lot of our instinct has two core functions, uh, survival and reproduction. And if we look at that, that's what creates a lot of the automatic responses day to day and, and also what keeps us stuck and, and prevents us from moving forward because the experiences that we learn to survive in life become the experiences that our continued survival depends upon. And so when we've survived these experiences growing up of whatever it might be from our family environment, whether it be, you know, poor health, whether it be poor relationships, whether it be, you know, poverty, our system, we've trained our system that that, that experience is a survival experience. So for us to go out to the world and create something opposite of that, we haven't yet trained our system and our beliefs, and our infrastructure to know that that experience of having money is safe, even though logically it makes sense, but logic is not what's making a lot of decisions. You know, you've only got to look at the last time you reacted, overreacted and only to catch yourself and go, why am I reacting like this right now? You know, so part of that, that instinct um, or that, that part of the function of the very, very old software being survival is the need to belong because we know that, you know, from, from an archaic perspective, if we belong to a herd or if we belong to a tribe, we're less likely to get eaten by the saber-toothed tiger, right? As opposed to if we're walking around out there by ourselves. Yet the complete opposite is true for entrepreneurism, that you know, the way that we do survive is through innovation, is through doing things differently, is being okay to step into the uncomfort, to be vulnerable and maybe share or show something that no one else has. Sure, it's a risk, sure it might get knocked down, but we're not in a day and age anymore where the saber-toothed tiger is gonna come along and rip our head off. You know, and this is where we need to, to, to challenge that discomfort. This discomfort right now, like Richard Branson says it well, like what's the worst case scenario in this? And if that was to happen, could I handle it? And if the answer is no, well, don't do it. Like the worst case is I'm going to die or, or I'm going to bankrupt the business. Okay, cool. Probably don't do that. But the worst case is like some people might not like me or I might lose a couple hundred bucks or a few thousand dollars or whatever else, but jump into it. If the, if, if the potential upside of that is greater, jump into it and ride that feeling of being uncomfortable and be okay to, to nurture and appreciate that feeling of uncomfortable because what makes a feeling of being uncomfortable any different, worse, better off than feeling comfortable? They're, they're just feelings. They're just two choices that we have that we've labeled one is like, this is good and this is not good, or this is the one I want, this is the one I don't want. But they're just, they're two of the same. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Um... We just, we, we, every time we did feel discomfort when we were kids, though, our parents made it okay. So it started, you know, then. And, yeah. And, and I mean, they obviously didn't want us to be in pain. And I um, don't know whether you've read this book called Range, but I've just been recently uh, exposed to Range. Because someone said this whole thing reminds me of you, <laughs> and um, and I'm only halfway through the book, or not even halfway through the book, and 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 some of the things that that he says in there are quite fascinating about how when someone 
works really hard to figure out a problem, how much retention, not only retention, but critical thinking that they can take from that and apply to other situations is like off the chain. I don't know whether you've you've read the book, but it's a, it's a very, it's highly, I recommend (laughs) that book because people, we have been forced to think of specialization when we actually, it's, he's talking about generalization and then picking up all these different skills and applying it in, in, in situations. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting to share that I recently finished um, a book. It's a, it's around like Japanese uh, philosophy and psychology from a guy like Adler's principle. So Adler was around uh, with Carl Jung and uh, Freud, yet he had a very different belief system than those two and kind of went off on his own. I was surprised I'd never heard of this guy before. And I read this book, the courage to be disliked. And there was a really interesting part in there that talks about, it was, it was talking about it in, a, in, a, in, in relation to relationships, but I could understand how it was, how it'd be true for relationships and every other area of life. And it's like in a relationship, when someone has made up the decision that they no longer want to be in that relationship, whether it's a conscious or an unconscious decision, what happens is they start to filter in all the reasons why that person is not right for them or they, want, they don't want to be with them. Right. So they start to look for, experiences and examples to validate their own conscious or unconscious thought processes. And this is what we see all the time with clients we work with is, is if they've got these biases, unconscious ones are the worst because you've got to find them first. Conscious ones, they're still not good, but you can work with them. But they have an unconscious bias that they're, that they're not worthy, that they can't make money, that they're not a business owner, whatever these are, what's happening is they're going out to the world and they're filtering in all the reasons why what they believe about themselves is real even though a lot of this fear is, is from the acronym false evidence appearing real. It's not real. It's not real, but we go and create it to be real, to validate and justify to ourselves that it is real. We're looking for that reassurance you talked about from our parents, but we're looking to reassure ourselves to justify and validate our own beliefs. So if we, if we've got a first question, well, what do I believe about myself as being a business owner? Do I believe I can be successful? If not, it doesn't mean you can't be successful, but go and work on your beliefs. Go and work in your inner game until you believe that you're as worthy as anybody else out there running a successful business to be successful in business. Yeah, 100%. And I also think that just knowing that you have any pattern or having that you have patterns running is, 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 is step one. Uh, in fact, you said psychology of entrepreneurship. There's a, I can't remember the volume number, but Laura Peterson, who's um Magnum cum laude, like psychology major and, you know, used to be a math and psychology teacher and all that kind of stuff talks about confirmation bias. And she actually, yeah, she actually talks about how we go to unconsciously look for all the things we believe to just confirm our bias. And, and, and it happens all the time. But when you take that a step deeper, if we unconsciously believe that we're not worthy for certain things, of course we're unconsciously going and finding ways to confirm that bias. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. You know, you, you can't, you can't get rich collecting one sided coins. We live in a world of duality, right? Mm. Light and dark night and day. And yet we've taken that concept into creating this illusion that there is good and bad yet you know, nothing is as it is. Like we don't see the world the way the world is. We see the world the way we are and it's our perception. So we can look at any given situation and we can perceive and look for all the negative things of that and start going down this spiral. Cause this is what happens. It's self-perpetuating. Once you start, 
you can't stop. Once you start finding those traits in your partner, you keep going and going and going and going and the relationship turns to shit. But equally too, we have the ability to look at something and find the positive. Look at the things we're grateful for. Look at the things we appreciate. Look at the things that are working well. Now I've found personally, it's more challenging to find the things to be grateful for and appreciate. Maybe that's through my personal conditioning. Maybe that's through societal conditioning. Um, but I found personally that to focus on the positive or to see things as serving you or happening for you, not to you, takes a lot more work than, than, than looking at things that are happening against you. But both are there and you have a choice of which way you choose to see life and which way you choose to play the game. Well, that's why recognizing wins and celebrating wins is, is important. Like for the longest time, even now, I, I kind of understand, but I still don't entirely understand. And I was first exposed to that because um, I was thought to meditate at gunpoint by um, a double, like a psychologist in the States called um, Dr. Doug Brackman. And he teaches people to, um, he's written a book called um, Driven. He, he deals with like some of the, uh, the most like uh, high functioning people on the planet. Uh, but anyway, part of that was shooting a target, right, at range. And then for the first three shots, I did, not, I did not hit it. And as soon as I hit it on the fourth shot, I just put the gun down. And he, and, and he put his hand on my back and he's like, no, no, enjoy that moment. And that was the first time I realized that, that I did not enjoy the moment of when I achieved something. It was just on to the next thing. And that was such a huge lesson for me because people said that to me before and I intellectually understood it, but that was the day that I actually understood what I meant, what it meant by, Oh, I don't appreciate this at all. Mm. And, and yeah, that was huge. Mm. It's, it's funny what can happen. When we shift our mindset. Like I'll touch on, we're nearly out of time, but like that whole meditative gunpoint thing, that's a whole other episode yeah. on its own. So if you're watching or listening to this and you want to hear uh, Ronzi share more about meditating, being forced to meditate at gunpoint, uh, comment below somewhere and we should sure get him back on. But we, um, we had a conversation a week or so ago. Um, you know, long story short, you accidentally found out that you had to leave your place on a Friday. This is like on a Monday or something that, um, you guys hadn't renewed your lease, accidentally found out the real estate had already sub, you know, subleased your place again. So you guys literally found out and had five days to find a place and move out. And um, we had a conversation that kind of re, re shifted the mind a little bit. And I said to you, I was like, dude, you can find a place like that and, and be out the next day. And you shared before this episode, you said, oh, hey, you wouldn't believe it. Like we found a place on Thursday, we moved out Friday, moved in Saturday. You know, like we as human beings are capable of far, far, far greater things than we ever, even right now, can perceive possible, yet we don't give ourselves enough recognition or encouragement to go after it. Yeah, 100%. And I think no one encourages us because what if they are wrong? They don't want to be the ones that were wrong. So... Um, that's why I suppose it's up to us to encourage ourselves and find the courage within other people that go out and do it. And, and, and when someone else goes out and does it, um, it's really important to, um, 
see what that person had to become to go out and do it and not mm-hmm. kind of like belittle that person because that makes us feel good for that brief moment so there's there's a whole bunch of different things of putting yourself out there because i feel more and more that uh business owners keep all that stuff inside them and don't don't tell people what they really stand for what they really care about or why they really do what they do and who they're doing it for and sometimes when you hear those stories you're like god damn it that's way better than any facebook ad you'd run so just tell like tell people tell your story really really matters share your vulnerability yeah and look, I think too, like it is really important to surround yourself with the community of people that are actually out there doing it. You know, whether that's through joining the game changers or someone else, like make sure you're in a community of people that are actually, actually not just talking about shit, like they're, they're, they're congruently and wholeheartedly getting stuff done and growing the business because, you know, being around people will have a significant impact on your mindset, the way that you see the world too. And as you said, you know, you'd be around people that will remind you to share your wins. You have to be around people that remind you to kind of stop and smell the roses along the way because it's not, entrepreneurship is not about getting to a certain destination. If it is, I'm telling you right now, you will absolutely fail or you'll get there and you'll be more messed up than when you started because there'll be a complete hole inside you don't know how to fill. Like find a way to enjoy the journey and find a way to actually uh, build a relationship with that feeling of fear or uncomfort or discomfort in your journey. Yeah, because you'll experience things that no one else experiences and that's the thing. That's the, that's life. When you think about being alive, um, that's really what it is. And I, and, and, and I think I want to stop talking now, but at, at the, 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 most, the thing that I found out most recently was that the fact that you can feel that you're uncomfortable and you're in this really shitty situation, it means that you're alive. If you yeah. don't feel that, that is the problem. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Before we wrap it up, dude, this has been so enjoyable. Like I keep talking to you, like there's so many open loops right now. I want to, I want to dive down the rabbit hole. Um, to wrap things up, what are the best three bits of advice you've ever been given along your journey? Um, the first one that comes to mind is, uh, by a man called Paul Dunn who runs, be one, buy one, give one. Um, uh, Paul's on our board, the game changers. Oh, really? Yeah, Paul Dunn. When I first started, uh, we are podcast, uh, the conference, it was probably one of the scariest things I did. Not because I was going to, if, if it failed, I lost, I would lose money, but because if it failed, all the people that gave me the trust of their brand and believed in me would also go down with the whole thing. So that was really hard. And when I was trying to, to, to circumvent that, Paul said to me, don't worry about the goal as much as the person you become trying to achieve that goal. Mm. And that put a lot of stuff in perspective. That was one that was really helpful for me. And I still remember it a lot. Um, Nikki Me, who runs uh, freetoshine.org, it's a organization that saves girls from being sex trafficked and puts them in, in schools. Um, before my TEDx talk, uh, I was super nervous for whatever reason. And I was thinking of everything that bad that could happen on stage that would go wrong, would go wrong. And three days before I met Nikki at an event and uh, she asked me how it was, how the prep was going. And I'm like, Nikki, I'm so nervous. And I was bitching and moaning for like a good four minutes before she said, Ronsley, 
you know it's not about you right mm. um and it was almost instantaneously like the nerves went and the next three days were great i was it was you know the best probably the best in the moment talk that i'd give that i that i gave um and i think for for me one of the things that i feel uh that i'm learning is just putting my voice out there and what's saying like not necessarily editing what i what i stand for mm-hmm. and i find that that advice is me giving myself permission to just be me so mm-hmm. there you go three pieces of advice Yeah, I love that. And uh, if you guys want to hear more about Paul Dunn, he was one of the earlier guests. I'm not sure the episode number, but check him out. He's doing amazing things. Yeah, absolutely wholeheartedly agree with all of those. And it's interesting that even this day and age, you're still diving deeper into that space of vulnerability around putting yourself out there un- unfiltered. You know, you've achieved a hell of a lot of success. You've been through a lot to be where you are. And yet that still is an ongoing journey, not just for you, but most entrepreneurs, that the deeper level of vulnerability, deeper level of, of shining and being seen. Yeah, I mean, everyone. I've, I've interviewed a, a, a lady who's going to be nominated for Canadian Entrepreneur of the Year for three years in a row and won it. And she's written a book called Success Hangover and she still has it. So, yeah. you know, it's with everyone. Yeah. Dude, um, amazing. How can, how can the... Uh, viewers, the listeners today connect with you if they want to find out some more about the cool things you're doing. Uh, Ronsley.com.au takes takes you to a a page. Uh, But psychology of entrepreneurship is probably um, my weekly rep. It's my weekly, it's a whole team actually. It's a whole team's weekly um, give to the world. And we put a lot of work into it. and it's it's really definitely cool. one of one of the proudest things I've I've done. Uh, it used to be again another idea in a book. Uh, yeah. So yeah, check that out. It's on Spotify and other places. Yeah, it's uh, highly recommended. I love it. So thank you, dude. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Uh, and if any of you guys and girls watching, listening today, want to hear some more of those rabbit holes that were opened up, especially how you learned to meditate at gunpoint, uh, please comment below, and uh, we'll be sure to get Ronsley back. Thanks so much for your time today, dude. Thanks, dude. If you're in a position that many of our clients were before joining us, which is that your business is controlling you rather than you controlling your business, we would love to have a chat to you to see whether or not we might be the right fit to partner with you to help you grow and succeed in business. Over the past eight years, we've helped hundreds of business owners around the world to grow, scale and succeed in business. Uh, Many of our clients report we help them to triple their profits and double their time off in 12 months or less. If you jump onto YouTube and notice the hundreds of testimonies, you'd see that this is a common theme amongst them. If you're a business owner that's generating more than $300,000 a year in annual revenue, uh, whether it's 500 million, 5 million, even $10 million a year, and you're looking to take your business and your life to the next level, we might be able to help. If you're noticing that your business is lacking structure, maybe systems or processes, maybe you're not quite attracting enough or or the right type of quality leads, making enough sales, or maybe you've been having issues finding, hiring, retaining, and training the right team members, we could be a fit for you. Ultimately, we believe that we never have business problems, we have personal problems 
that are expressed through our business. And a lot of the work we do is with you as the business owner, helping you to constantly upgrade the way that you see life, the way that you make decisions, and the way that you help construct a profitable and purpose-driven business. In order for us to do that though, you need to book in a quick uh, 15 minute application call with one of our scaling specialists here at The Game Changers. Through the 15 minute call, we're gonna ask you a bunch of questions to see if or how we might better help you. If we can't help you, we'll let you know politely and do our best to point in the direction of someone that can. However, we can help you, we'll look at booking you an, a one hour game plan session where we're gonna dive a lot deeper into where you and your business are at right now, where it is that you want to go in the next three, five, and 10 years time, and what are the potential roadblocks or challenges or even opportunities that are along the journey in order for you to get there uh, faster. If you're really feeling that it's time for you to, to experience the love and the joy of running a business again, if you're really wanting to experience a business that does actually operate without you while still producing profit, uh, we may very well be the right fit. So book in a 15 minute call, we can have a chat and uh, see where we go from there. My name is Babo Diddy and uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk soon.